Oh, happy Mother's Day, and uh, this is the day we imagine all children of all ages to be on their best behavior and obedient. Um, <clears throat> our words for today, love and obedience. And I wonder for you, if we were able to ask your mom, you know, how obedient was you when you were a child? What would your mom say? It's a curious question. Work in process. It's all a process. Actually, it's a developmental process. Both love and obedience are a developmental process, right? Like, love grows. And obedience trains. So, these are developmental processes that grow and expand. Um, actually, a few weeks ago, Susie talked about Psalm 23, if you remember, the progression through that psalm, where it's this progression of knowing God and being in relationship with God. You know, the psalm begins with this knowing about God, a little bit distant, but knowing about God, and then it moves to a knowing God and a personal, able to talk to God, and then finally to the third, to join God and to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. An idea of dwelling and joining God. And there's a progression, right? This is a part of life, both as kids growing up, but also in our spiritual growing up. I mean, you might think about your mom. I don't know if your mom told you not to touch the oven when it was hot. Um, there's a sense of obedience required, right? Like, you, mom says, don't touch that, and you are supposed to obey. And Why? Well, because you might hurt yourself, right? Like, this is, she's trying to protect you. But also, as a little kid, I imagine you couldn't even imagine what that box did. You know, sometimes it wasn't hot and sometimes it was. Like, you can't even imagine. So there's a developmental process of even understanding what an oven and a stove is. And your mom is, like, helping you with that. And there's even other laws involved with the stove. I mean, don't touch it because it's hot, but also... To learn the law of heat and the principles of cooking so that you can obey those things and produce food in your life. Probably somebody scrambled up some eggs this morning and burned them. Oh, no hands? Well, somebody in the world did that. And you know what they did? They blamed the eggs. They said these eggs were produced by some corporate mass chicken-harming farm, and that's why they burned. Or they blamed the stove. Oh, this stove is junk. What burned my eggs? Well, friends, the problem isn't those things. The problem is you obeying the laws of heat and the principles of cooking. And the same thing is true for us as we are exploring what Jesus is about to do today in our scripture passage of revealing something more to us for us to understand about who God is and how God is and our relationship with him. And we have to enter into it to be open to learn. Well, since my mom did the scripture reading, we also had her answer the question, you know, what, how obedient was Tim as a kid? And it's very good. She said such nice things. I mean, it was a long it was really so just good stories, and, but it was so long I had to cut it down for today. So here's what she said. So Nana, how obedient was Tim as a child? Tim was a very obedient, obedient child. Absolutely. 
right? Yeah, you want to see that? Let's, let's just affirm that. Can we do that again? Because I feel like you really need to hear that from my mom. So, Nana, how obedient was Tim as a child? Tim was a very obedient, obedient child. Absolutely. Yeah, see? Proof. She said a lot of other nice things. I had to <laughs> cut that out. But love, right, is a process, and it grows. Obedience is a process, and it trains. So our words love and obedience today come from Jesus in our scripture, where Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. And we're continuing in this passage of scripture we were in last week where Jesus is in the farewell discourse. It's the night before he's crucified and he's with his disciples, talking to them, helping them understand things that they can't yet grasp. And in fact, they won't grasp them until later, after Jesus dies and after Jesus is resurrected. So here there's this developmental process going on for them to even understand what is going on and to even understand the words Jesus is telling them. Because Jesus is telling them our relationship is about to change. It's about to change, and, and it's better ahead. I tell you, it's better ahead, but there's something that's going to be difficult. And in fact, Jesus is trying to tell them, I know, I know you know me as Jesus the man in human form, but also, I am God. And that changes everything in their relationship. So in this developmental process, there's this gradual coming to know who God is, right? It's this, this sense of the Psalm 23, knowing about God. Now the disciples have been with Jesus. They have a personal relationship. They don't know maybe all that yet. And now Jesus is introducing them to joining God, to dwell with God. So Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. That word will start there with commands. Jesus introduced that idea just a few minutes earlier in this discourse when Jesus said, hey, there is, I'm giving you a new command. I mean, that's pretty spectacular for somebody to say, I'm giving you a new command, because that's authoritative. I mean, you'd think everyone would stop and be like, what? What's the new command? I mean, what do we do? Jesus, we are yours. We're going to do whatever you tell us, right? That's how people are ever going to respond to Jesus when he tells them this. But before we get to this new command, we've got to remember first, what is the old command? What's the first command? And Jesus, back in a different section in Mark chapter 12, was asked this question, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus tells them. He actually just quotes Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, which is called the Shema, which the word Shema is the Hebrew word for hear or obey. And Jesus quotes this. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That's the Shema. And the disciples, as Jewish men, have been praying that twice a day their whole lives. In the morning, first thing, at night, before they go to bed. And people have been praying this for thousands of years, right? This is in the DNA of the Jewish people. The first command is to love God. God is one. Love him with your whole being. Everyone knew this. 
So when Jesus gives a new command, it was conspicuously noticeable. Here's what Jesus said back in chapter 13. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Of course, Jesus is talking about death the next day, resurrection to come. You cannot come. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Spectacular, right? New commandment? What? We all know the Shema, love God, God is one. Now Jesus is adding love others. Love other people. This is an extension beyond. But then you might think, wait, that's not an actual new thing, Jesus. Because back in Leviticus chapter 19, when God was giving the law to Moses, he gave the law, love your neighbor as yourself. So it's not actually new, but there's something in process here. There's this developmental process happening where, yep, first we love God, but we don't stay there. Now, Jesus is saying, Love others. It goes out. I want to point out real quickly Simon Peter's process in all this because he's in the developmental process of understanding what Jesus is laying down. And Simon Peter said, Lord, where are you going? Wait, he didn't even mention the new commandment. He didn't even like ask, oh, what? Jesus, that's amazing. Thank you. We want to do this. No, he's like, living in the fear of, wait, Jesus, you're going? Where, where are you going? Right? There's something in Peter that is sad that Jesus is going away. Something that's making him mad. I don't want you to go away. Something afraid, like what happens next? Right? Peter is living in that space and can't hear all that Jesus is saying in that moment. But give it a few days and a few weeks after the resurrection Peter will remember these things, and it will take hold of his life. You know, have you noticed here, I mean, Jesus gives a new command. Have you noticed that in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus doesn't go around telling people, hey, love me. Hey, you, love me. He never says, love me. Right? He says, believe me, and says all these things, but, but here even it's like, if you love me, it's kind of off to the side, like, if you love me, keep my commands. Jesus doesn't tell us and command us to love him. You ever wonder about that? I mean, when we sing our songs, that's what we sing. We love you, Jesus, and Jesus loves me, like, right? It goes into that. So what is happening that we sing this way when Jesus never says, love me? Again, we've got to think about the developmental process happening because the disciples gathered with Jesus, they know the Shema. God is one. Love God. Right? That's what they know. And now Jesus is saying, and I am God. Right? So if, if Jesus is God, he doesn't need to say love me because they already know love God. What they need is to expand their understanding of God to include Jesus as part of that God. 
that make sense? That's kind of crazy. Love me because I am God. It's part of the deal. So now we get to this passage, John 14, verse 15, where Jesus is introducing us to the Trinity. God, one essence in three persons. Here it is, all in one sentence, all three of them. Ready? If you love me, keep my commands. And I, Jesus, will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Right there, Jesus gives Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all together, all working together. You know, Jesus gives the command, we keep them, and then Jesus asks the Father, and the Father does something by sending the Spirit, and the Spirit comes and lives in us, right? The Holy Spirit, this is the three all together. And even as you're hearing this, maybe your head is beginning to spin, or has you heard my mom reading? It's just like these words are just spinning around and around, like, Wait, in and out, and you and me, like, what is happening? So let's carefully read once again and try to slow down what Jesus is giving to us about who God is, the change of relationship that's happening for the disciples, and also what's true for us now today. So in John 14, Jesus said, went on to say, The world cannot accept him, the Spirit, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Here's the most spectacular line. Because I live, you also will live. Just pause on that for a moment. Because I live, you also will live. This is Jesus saying, tomorrow, death, a couple more days, resurrection. And what do we do in celebrating baptism is we are united with Jesus in his death and his resurrection. We live because Jesus lived. Going on, on that day, so after the resurrection, on that day, you will realize, you will, in your developmental process, come to understand that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and show myself to them. Maybe your head is spinning. It's like spinning around and around, like, I am in the Father, Jesus saying, but then you, we are in Jesus, and then Jesus is in the... Wait, it's, it's spinning around, and we're trying to understand and grasp it. The, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him. It's like, what is going on? There's like this... I almost wanted to get a gyroscope, but I couldn't get one. You think of a gyroscope, they're spinning, and it's inside spinning and outside spinning. There's just like things happening all at the same time. I mean, how can you be in God and God in you? the same time. Well, to begin to unpack some of this trinity in God, God in us complexity, I want to try to do a little experiment. So Russell and I went to the Rockies game where they did this science day, and it was a field trip, and on, this is what happened. You, you've seen this, right? Like, 
we're going to try this. But, like, there's a video camera shooting at a person with a jumbotron in the background, and what happens? There's an infinite thing that happens, right? Like, it's this loop that creates infinity. Now, when you've seen screen problems this morning, this is all because of me trying this. And thank you for trying to work all this out. Because this is, this is hard, and technology and the Trinity are similar. <laughs> Trinity beyond our comprehension. Technology also beyond our comprehension. But do you see this? I don't know what that is. <laughs> it might not be working. Does it work? Oh, see? Nope. I'll just mimic that stuff. Ah, uh, this isn't. See, if we had, like, the Trinity in our minds and knew it, then we could make the technology work. Do you get the idea, though? That picture of me, picture of their infinity. You've done this with a mirror. I'm going to just stop talking about it now. But we tried. And that... That is good effort. Yep. So now it's just on some other time of me. <laughs> but that's not really me. That's just a video of me. But this is, you've seen this before here at church, the representing the Trinity, the three chairs of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that God is of one essence. God is one and God has three distinct persons. And these are the things that are beyond our human grasp, right? The attempts to understand who God is. Now, and this is something that has been gradually revealed, too, because you think about the Old Testament. The Trinity has these hints about God being Trinity. And now Jesus is showing up and fully kind of revealing. But in the Old Testament, like at the creation story, God said things like, let us make man in our image. And so God made them male and female. So we get these hints of trinity, of three, of multiple, us. Right? But then now Jesus is departing heaven. He came to earth as a human. And Jesus is showing us the trinity. Well, first, by Jesus being God, number two, God Father, God the Son. And now we also get these little hints of the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist? We hear a voice in heaven say, you are my beloved, right? And then there's a dove, the Holy Spirit, right? Like there's these things about the Trinity happening, being revealed, and we're trying to understand and grasp it. So when we understand God, we understand he is one in three persons. And what has God been doing for all of eternity? Loving each other, creating love. I mean, God is love. What does God do? Love. And that has been happening in the Trinity since before the beginning of our time. This is what God does. And so that personality mix and all that is happening. And now we as humans and are trying to understand, we notice these three distinct persons and their distinct activities. You know, we call God the Father, our creator. 
Jesus, the Son, we call our Savior, Redeemer. He's the one who came here and did those things. We call the Holy Spirit our sanctifier. The Holy Spirit's the one who comes and lives in us and helps us live this new divine life. The Belgic Confession, if we have that, um, says this. The Father is the cause, origin, and source of all things, visible and invisible. The Son is the Word, the wisdom, and the image of the Father. And the Holy Spirit is the eternal power and might proceeding from the Father and the Son. So these are the things about God that we know, that God is one and has three persons. But what Jesus is doing here in this passage with his disciples is welcoming the people that he's with into the circle. So often we don't think God linearly, linearly, we think of God as a circle, God interacting amongst God, three persons. But then Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. Grabs a chair. Maybe not literally. Jesus says, hey, I got a place for you right here with us. Right? This is the welcoming in Jesus is doing, saying, okay, disciples, yeah, I am going away, but what I'm doing is preparing a place for you right here with us, the Trinity. So, Jesus is kind of saying in this passage, okay, so welcome. This is God the Father. He's the creator, kind of origin. And then, you know, I'm the Son. I came here, but I'm the Word who speaks and spoke life into being. And this is the Spirit. I mean, you know the Spirit because the Spirit is the power of God that happens all over the place. These are the the things we do. Welcome. And now that you're with us, do you know what you do? You love. So join us in love. You know, if you love me, join us in love. Right? That, That is the welcoming in. And then Jesus said, you know, there's many places. I mean, I got lots of chairs out, but... I actually thought this morning, I don't need to put all these chairs out because we have this whole room representing being in the circle of the Trinity with God, that this whole room is dwelling with God, right? Jesus has created these places for us to dwell with God. And then this room isn't even enough, right? Maybe you have to think bigger and think, oh, a stadium full of people represent all the churches in Denver, all gathered with God around the circle of the Trinity, And you're like, well, not even that is big enough because you have the whole world. And then not only the whole world, but all of history, all of the people. You think about heaven someday where there's just going to be this huge mass of people all just gathered around in the circle of God's love in the Trinity. I mean, this is what Jesus is telling his disciples, and they are trying to grasp it, trying to take it in. And the question In your developmental process, where are you at today? I mean, I'm sure that you've grown as a person. Now you can use a stove and cook. You didn't burn your eggs this morning. But where are you developmentally with God? You know, again, this idea of God is welcoming us in. And there's a beginning point of knowing about God, right? And that's a good place to start and to be. And then there's this knowing God personally, being able to speak to God. And you are in the circle, you're feeling it. And then there's this final, this dwelling with God, dwelling forever with God, right? This abiding. 
And this is the invitation to be joining with God here. And there's not like a, hey, you're a beginner, good luck, you'll get going and it'll be fine. No, everybody, every place is welcome and is working it out. And probably is a big cycle that you start over. Oh, I have to know about God again because I'm in a new phase of life. What are you, these things, right? Like, we are with God forever, and that is the place to be. So as you are living life and in your process, gradually knowing God, gradually understanding to obey and how to use the stove and to cook, all these things with God, there, there's going to be times when you're sitting in the circle, and you're in the circle, but you're not going to feel like you're there you'll feel like, wow, I feel pretty invisible to God right now. Well, in fact, God, you feel invisible to me. But the reality is, Jesus said, spinning around, you are in God. (laughs) Safe. That can't change. And we imagine ourselves there, even when we don't feel like we are there. And maybe there's other times when you were like at the circle and you're kind of trying to sneak back, like, oh, I am not obeying I feel bad, I feel shame, I feel guilt. Ooh, I don't belong here. Do you know what Jesus says? Nope, you belong here because God lives in you. And that is the encouragement that Jesus is giving to his disciples. Look, tomorrow I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. And then this life of dwelling happens. I dwell in you, you dwell in me, we dwell in God. It's like this big spinning cycle that is going on forever. Well, hopefully, you can imagine that infinity in your life today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're glad to be with you in this place. And we are glad that we have a seat with you, that Jesus, you've prepared that place. And now I pray that we be there with you and do this activity of yours called love. To love you to love others, and to never put a limit on that love. God, guide us into your grace to live this life in all the hard and the yuck and the difficult and the pain, to live it with you. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.